Odyssey Stage on the Air. How mild. Our play, A Letter to Three Wives. How mild. Our host, the makers of Camel Cigarettes. How mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the Camel 30-day test and you'll see. Yes, you'll see how mild a cigarette can be. Smoke camels and see. And now, while you discover the smoking enjoyment of Camel Cigarettes, for your listening enjoyment, the Camel Screen Guild Theater brings you one of the most provocative and exciting pictures of the year. For the first time on the air, the Camel Screen Guild Theater is proud to present A Letter to Three Wives. The name of the town isn't important. Like thousands of others, it's on a river, and it's got houses and schools, churches and stores, you've seen them before, drugs, shoes, groceries, all the little chain stores that breed like rabbits. Yes, and all kinds of people, good, bad, and, and some of them charitable, like Debbie, Rita, and Laura May. They're being charitable this very morning. They're taking some underprivileged children down the river for a day's outing. There's the excursion boat just leaving now. There are the children, and my three dear friends standing by the rail. And of course, <laughs> they haven't the slightest idea. But I've prepared a little surprise for them. Excuse me, ladies, I don't mean to intrude, but... Uh, it's all right, Captain. What's on your mind? Uh, it's Miss Addie Ross. That Addie really gets around, doesn't she? Well, she come down and left this here letter with me. She said to give it to you ladies after we started. A letter? That's strange. Why is it strange? You know how that character likes to be a character. Open it, Rita. No, uh, let's wait. For what, Debbie? Till we get back. Knowing Addie, I mean, why let her spoil our day? Not my day. Addie Ross never saw the day she could spoil my day. Did I get enough days into that? There we are. Now, let's have a look. Dearest Debbie, Laura May, and Rita. Tactful, isn't she? Even put us in alphabetical order. You don't know it, of course. But I'm leaving this morning. I'm leaving for good. You three will have to carry on without me. That's the best news since VJ Day. Shh, Laura May. Let's hear the rest. It isn't easy to leave a town like ours, to tear myself away from you dear, dear girls who have always meant so much to me. And so I'm taking a sort of memento along. Something to remind me of the town that was my home, and my three dearest friends, whom I want never to forget. And I won't forget, because you see, girls, I've run off with one of your husbands. A little startled, aren't you girls? Too bad you can't get to the telephone. Oh well. You've got the whole day to think it over. And a boat's such a grand place for thinking, isn't it? 
That chugging motor is so restful and soothing. Don't you think so, Debbie? Isn't it soothing? Brad! Is it Brad? 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 No, no. It couldn't be Brad. It couldn't. And yet, marrying me the way he did, when I was in the waves, in uniform, he'd never seen me in an evening gown. I'd never had an evening gown. And then bringing me home, where everybody knew him and admired him, and me so awkward and scared. I've always been scared. And, and he did go into town today, on business. He said, for Addie Ross. Oh, but it couldn't be Brad. If it was, I'd die. Debbie? Debbie? Huh? Oh, sorry, I... The smaller kids are getting restless. Oh, uh, sure. Children! Children! Okay, settle down. Everyone, please sit down. Kathleen's going to read us a fairy story. Fairy story? My favorite kind. I grew up on them. Only I wrote my own. May I start now, Miss Bishop? If you're ready, Kathleen, of course. Once upon a time... Once upon a time... Once upon a time, there lived a very poor girl who was very beautiful. She was so beautiful that all the men in the kingdom wish her poor Do you remember your first night in town? You and Brad, fresh out of the Navy. That was a first Saturday in May, too. Is it Brad? 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 Oh, here now, what's this? Conduct unbecoming an officer and a lady. I'm such an unholy mess. How? My hair! A little too kinky, maybe. She must have said it with cement. Hmm. Here, try this martini. It'll take the kink out of a watch spring. I'm no raving beauty, heaven knows, but I did so want to look my miserable best tonight. The very first time we've gone together all dressed up like civilians, and you would be the one man in the world that looks even better out of uniform than in. Got the jumps, kid? It's been quite a day, that's all. Quite a change. Out of the Navy, out of uniform, new home, new town, new friends. Oh, I told that blasted girl I wanted to comb it out soft. It's making me look even more like a farmhand than I feel. Easy does it, honey. I'm meeting your friends for the first time. You wouldn't want them to see me like this. I should hope not. You be sure to put on a dress. <laughs> oh, you! <laughs> uh, hey, my tie! You can tie it again. There they are. Brad, about my dress, you might not like it. If you're in it, I'll love it. It's my only one in years old. Remember there wasn't time today to get a new one? And even years ago, it wasn't exactly the last word. That was the last word. Hurry up. Which ones are they? I want to have it right. Rita and George Phipps. We all grew up together. He teaches at the high school. They have twins. And she has a job writing for the radio. Did you like her very much? When you grew up together, I mean? 
Rita and George were engaged at the age of five by swapping beetles. <laughs> she was never my type. What is your type? Fat, squat little brunettes with mustaches. I'll go hold the fort and take another whack at that hair. Brad, hi, darling. Hello, Rita, George. Hello, Brad. You look fine. I feel fine. Good to see you. Oh, Brad, is this her picture on the piano? The original will be down in person directly. Rita, what's this I hear about twins? Not possible. You look like a fugitive from a junior prom. <laughs> oh, not next to this, I don't. Brad, she's adorable. My personal share of Navy surplus. She certainly doesn't look as if she grew up on a farm. Darling, I'm sure she took the hay out of her mouth while she was being photographed. Don't be funny, dear. What I meant was that from Brad's letter, I imagined all sorts of... Well, anyway, just where on Fifth Avenue was this farm she came from? <laughs> it's like music to hear you two pick at each other. Oh, we've declared an armistice for tonight out of respect for your battle fatigue. Fine. Well, here it is again. The first Saturday night in May. And here we are. You two, Porter and Laura May, meeting us at the club, will all be together again, just the way it used to be. Well, not exactly as it used to be. It seems there's been a change in one of the characters. Yeah, not the same old six. Tell me, how is Addie? Ah, here's my bride now. Rita and George, Deborah. Debbie, Rita and George Phipps. They were with me the day I swallowed my first worm, and I hope will be there when I swallow my last. Ugh, that's the most disgusting introduction I've ever heard. Hello, Deborah. Welcome. Thank you. How do you do, Deborah? How do you do? Well, the occasion calls for a drink. Quick one, because we're late. We've been admiring your photograph. <laughs> yes, it's a very flattering one. Maybe it's the uniform. For some reason or other, I always seem to be wearing a full beard in photographs. You know, even in snapshots as a child, I once... Uh, g give me a hand, George. Uh, excuse me. I don't think it's particularly flattering. In fact, I don't think it does you justice, dear. <laughs> I doubt that. Nice of you to say, though. Okay, ladies, here you go. Well, here's to Deb. And here's to us all and many happy returns of this day. I'll drink to that. Amen. Now, if I can remember the way to the club... Oh, before we go, I have to call the house and see if the sitters showed up. It's Sadie's night out. Well, why not call from upstairs? I have to get my bag anyway. Good idea. Now, don't make a tribal ceremony out of it, girls. We're late now. George and I will get the car and wait outside. Mm-hmm. Remember, we'll be waiting outside. I said, mm-hmm, didn't I? Ready, George. <laughs> <laughs> by all means, let's hurry. We may be able to make it by Tuesday. They finally put a traffic light at that dip on Orchard Avenue. Yeah. The mayor cracked his upper plate there last Christmas. All the doors and windows are locked. Don't worry about them. What? Certainly not. They're old enough to do that by themselves. We'll be at the country club. Fine. Good night. Well, something wrong? No. The bugle sounds. I... 
I think I've got a sick headache and can't go. Then there is something wrong. Me. I'm wrong. What do you mean? How? Every which way. For Brad, for his friends, you, your husband, the others I haven't met yet. The country club, this town. I'm scared. I'm so scared I'm sick. Isn't there a nice baseball game or something you children can listen to on the car radio? What's going on up there? I'm... I'm having a little slip trouble. Okay, but hurry up. Rita, I'm... Oh! I'm so sorry, Rita. Talk about slips. Looks like somebody had a lot of martinis. I did. What are you so scared of? It's worse than my first night in the waves. And I'd never been away from home before up until then. But we were all in the same spot. Everything was happening to all of us for the first time. And here you're the only new girl, is that it? Look, you're Brad's wife and our friend. We want you here, and we've waited for you. Now, why shouldn't that make you feel safe and secure instead of being scared? You can't be safe and secure by just telling yourself to feel it. Unless maybe you've got twins and a job of your own and grown up with your own husband and friends. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Blame it on the martinis. You know, counting ice water, we could squeeze two more out of this shaker. Oh, no, no. I've had more tonight than all the rest of my life put together. What was it like at home? Or should I mind my own business? Ever read in the picture magazines about farmer so-and-so and and his model farm kitchen in life? Well, it wasn't us or anybody we knew. Papa'd just get through paying for the thresher in time to start paying on the new separator. Till I was thirteen, bus took me three miles north to grammar school. Till I was seventeen, another bus took me eleven miles south to high school. And after that, I stayed home. Till one day, I took a bus 58 miles east to join the Navy and see the world. And meet Brad Ship. And fall in love and marry Brad Bishop. Why not? Why not? I said to myself. I was quite a girl in the Navy. Head of my class. Hooray for me. And pretty cute in that uniform. That uniform. It's the great leveler. <laughs> leveler. You couldn't tell me from Vassar or Smith or Long Island. That was the girl in the picture on the piano. That isn't me. This is me. What do you people talk about? Years of growing up together, thousands of first names and private memories. How do I fit in? Running a house, making friends, filling the day. This is Bradbury Bishop. What's she like? Fun to be with, smart as a whip, pretty too. No wonder Brad Bishop married her, the lucky stiff. <laughs> Rita, look at me. Look at my mail-order dress that's four years old and awful even then. What am I gonna do? As if that really matters. You must think we're an awful bunch of snobs. Aren't you underestimating us a little bit, and Brad even more? 
You know, it's just possible he knew what he wanted and you had it. And if you had it, you've still got it. <laughs> I can't hear you. Take that handkerchief out of your mouth. I said, thank you for the kind words. You're welcome. Now, about the dress. Haven't you anything else? Only uniforms. Oh. Well, stand up. The flowers must go. Flowers must go. Have you any scissors? Scissors? Oh. I'll get the ones on the sleeves. You tackle the big one in the middle. Rita, thank you. What are friends for? Wine? Thank you. No. Not much dancing. Makes me nervous. Does it? Whatever I do, I want to do well. Can't do a thing well? Leave it alone, I always say. I think I will have a little more wine, thank you. Thank you very much. Especially the Roomba. Gotta have a Spanish blood or something. Like my wife. Comes from an old Spanish family named Finney. <laughs> In many South American countries, there are many very distinguished families with Irish names. <laughs> Laura May looks good with Brad. Hmm. Looks like class. Uh, but it's him, not her. Uh, if she was dancing with a tramp, she'd look like a tramp. <laughs> Got no class of her own. I, I like class. You like class? Oh, very much. You hit the jackpot. Yeah. Brad Bishop, class plus money. Yes, sir. <laughs> the jackpot and you hit it. Count them on fingers of one hand in this town. Yeah, throw away some fingers even. There's Brad and uh, who else? There's Addie. Addie? Addie who? Ross. Addie Ross. Funny. <laughs> People always figured that Brad and Addie would. Brad and Addie what? The samba can be danced properly only on the side of a hill on ice. Alibi. He was afraid of getting wrinkles in his new suit. Oh, my first new party dress in years, thanks to my dear wife and her millions of listeners, including the armed forces overseas. Shall we drink to them all, one by one? Deborah, how about some coffee? George, I think your tuxedo's got class, George. We thank you. Funny thing for a wife to give her husband a tuxedo. An even funnier thing for a husband to give his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Deborah, while the coffee's nice and hot. You're so funny, George. I still don't think a woman ought to buy clothes for a man. It's contrary to nature. Oh, tell us about nature, Porter. It's a man's world, yeah. See something you want, go after it, get it. That's nature. It's why we're made strong and women weak. Strong conqueror provides for the weak. That's, that's what a man's for. Teach our kids more of that, and there'll be more men. And more war. Leave my kids out.
Thanks, Brad. We sure tore up the dance floor on that one. But those standards don't apply to me, Porter, because in this man's world, I'm not a man. I'm a schoolteacher. I knew we'd get around to that. Schoolteachers ought to get paid more. <laughs> what happens if they're not? How does a schoolteacher provide for the weak? How does he pay the rent with the plays and poems of Shakespeare? Have you been shooting off your big mouth again? You just shut up until it's time to dance again. Let me tell you about nature making men strong. Einstein couldn't kick a football across this dance floor, but he changed the shape of the universe. Now take it easy, everybody. This is getting a little out of hand. You never know what Porter will come up with when he starts knocking on that brandy bottle. Ah, you shut up. You shut up. Isn't it fun, Deborah? We're all pals. You know, buddies. Just one big happy family. Pardon me, I have a bottle of champagne for your table. Why, Brad? Uh, not me, but it's a good idea. With the compliments of Mrs. Eddie Ross. Oh, Porter, you were saying something about her and Brad. Addie? John, where is Mrs. Ross? I don't believe she's arrived yet, Miss Bishop. Well, that's Addie for you. Always the right thing at the right time. Thoughtful and generous. Generous to a fault. To a fault. That's Addie. Who is Mr. Ross? Mr. Ross took a powder about five years ago. No, no such thing. She gave him the heave-ho. He went out for a paper one night and never came back. Porter says Addie Ross has got class. And he knows class like I know navigation. You stick to your guns, Porter. It shows a healthy instinct. You may call it class, but what Addie has is taste. I can buy taste. Addie's got class. Taste and discrimination. Women usually get them out of magazines, but they're part of Addie's natural equipment. Also fog lights, white sidewalls, and a heater. Isn't it fun, Deborah, when the boys all agree? On Addie Ross and George Washington. Nobody else. Uh, you girls put your noses back into joint. I want to propose a toast. First half of the glass to Deborah. Welcome home, darling. I'll drink to that. Amen. And the rest to our absentee hostess, Addie. Perfect. To Addie. Come on, Debbie. Let's show him a flash of old Vienna. Darling, if you don't mind... Uh, before the floor gets crowded. I, I don't think I should, Brad. <clears throat> Come on, honey. No! <gasps> Deborah, are you all right? Let me help you up. Come on, Brad. Uh, Deborah, what on earth have you done to yourself? Brad, let me handle this. Come on, Deborah, let's get you to the ladies' room. Here, drink this. What is it? A new inner tube. Elka Seltzer isn't going to help me now. Rita, will you take me home? Of course not. I know you've got the idea everybody out there is watching that door waiting for you to come out. Maybe not, but Brad is. Then it's because he's worried about you. It's because he's ashamed. In front of his friends, ugly and pinned up, drunk and sick. Oh, I wanted so much to be what he wanted. To do what was right, like... Like Addie Ross? The right thing at the right time. 
But I didn't, I couldn't, I'm humiliated. What happened tonight could have happened to anyone. Don't you realize that? Then take my word for it. Come on. There's Brad. Oh, thank goodness he doesn't look angry. But who's that with him? I see Addie got here after all. Is it Brad? 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 Is it Well, we survived lunch with the kids. I'm glad you two did all the grilling. They were going after everything from sardines to wolves. You'll have no trouble finding wolves, honey, even on an island full of kids. So they've all eaten? I've called a recess. When your own fingers begin to look like frankfurters, it's time for a slight rest. We don't have to head back on the boat for another hour or so. Maybe I can sit down and... Oh, Lord, who's getting murdered now? Bobby, put that down right this minute! Sit down? I doubt it. I suppose it's occurred to you that Laura Mays kept herself as busy as a bird dog the whole trip. And she said she'd take the children hiking right after lunch. The very thought of a hike wears me out. Maybe she just doesn't want to sit still. You sit still? You can't help thinking, can you? Depends on what you think about. Well, for instance, why your husband should suddenly decide to go to the city on a Saturday morning? You mean Brad? No, I meant Porter. He was at the station this morning. He nearly knocked me down when I was mailing my copy to the station. Funny Laura May doesn't seem to know about it. Why did you think I meant Brad? Maybe because it might keep you from wondering why George dressed up in his blue suit on Saturday with no school. Why he isn't fishing like he does every Saturday. Your being a little too touchy about a perfectly inoffensive remark seems to me. Oh, let's stop the sudden bickering. <laughs> We're beginning to behave like some movie about a women's prison. <laughs> Not a bad comparison at that, us trapped on this slave galley. Cigarette? No thanks. I'd better see if Laura May needs help. Well, these grills won't clean themselves. And Rita, how about you? How do you like the trip so far, darling? Do you think physical work will keep your mind off it? Do you, dear? Do you? George. Is it George? 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 It's silly. George is too fine, too decent, too sensible. But then he's always liked Addie. They were always laughing together. And he didn't go fishing this morning. First day of the season. I've never known him to miss it before. And if he didn't go fishing, where did he go? Where? Is it joy? 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 There were other women in the news this week. Sadie, doesn't that noise drive you insane? To receive the Medal of Merit, which General presented to the late Al Jolson. There, that's better. Well, the twins are fed and ready to be put away. Now, if George would only show up. How many canapes are you making? 
two dozen. The way I figure it, six healthy people ought to be able to eat two or three hundred. They're just appetizers, Sadie. Let's get a couple of things straight. First, when you announce dinner... I know I'm not supposed to say soups on. How did I tell you? I forgot. Dinner is served. Dinner is served. And you're not to say it as though the food were poisoned? All this fancy schmancy because two people from the city are going to eat here. Mrs. Manley's a very important person. She has charge of a great many radio programs, including the one I write. You know what I like about your programs? Even when I'm running the vacuum, I can understand it. Thank you so much. Now, the second thing. Does the new uniform fit? It's kind of corny. Wear it. Only one thing. The cap is out. Makes me look like a lamb chop with pants on. Oh, Sadie. The cap is out. Sadie, please. Just this once? Okay, okay. Hello? Oh, hello, Mrs. Manley. No, no, not at all. I was just rereading the scripts for Monday. Sadie! Radio! Off! And the outstanding performances that... Uh, What's that, Mrs. Manley? Yes, it's a good connection. About the script? Oh, uh, well, I'll just have to make the revisions tonight, that's all. What? Oh, no, Mrs. Manley, you've just got to come. I've looked forward so to your meeting, George. In line with that matter we discussed, remember, Mrs. Manley? Yes, that's right. He'll be just perfect for us. You'll see. No, don't worry about that. I always work best late at night anyway. Yes, 7 p.m. You can tell me about the changes when you get here. Fine. Goodbye, Mrs. Manley. There's George. Changes, changes. When am I supposed to sleep? What's uh, Mr. Phipps going to be so perfect for on the radio? Nothing, and you keep quiet about it. I will, only he won't. Good evening, one and all. Hello, George. Well, how now? Why the look of doom? Sadie, did you forget to base the ducks? Look, I don't teach you about teaching. Don't you teach me about ducks. Oh, Sadie's been an angel, but looks like I'll be up most of the night making revisions. Mrs. Manley just called. But you're giving a dinner party for her tonight. She suggested calling it off, but I wouldn't hear of it. Why can't Mrs. Manley, just for once, tell the sponsor to call off his wife's provisions? You don't tell a sponsor things like that about his wife, George. You just don't understand. No, I suppose not. Well, it may not make your bad news any better, but I got good news. Have you, darling? Oh, George, it's ten of seven. Don't you want to hear my good news? Of course I do. Did you get the liquor and cigarettes? Right here. Oh, uh, now you check the cigarette boxes while I put the liquor away. Why does everything have to be full when guests arrive? Full cigarette boxes, candy dishes, fresh cakes of soap. Aren't we supposed to eat, smoke, or wash when we're alone? Where's the scotch? I didn't buy any. Why not? Too expensive. Bourbon's a better drink anyway. But the Manleys are a cinch to want scotch. People in show business, you know what I mean. Those kind always drink scotch. Well, I know what you mean, but I wish you wouldn't say it in radio English. That kind, not those kind. There are men who say those kind who earn $100,000 a year. There are men who say, stick them up who earn more. I don't expect to do either. 
Nor are you expected to pay for this scotch. You're quite right. Funny how it slips my mind that in certain respects I'm only the titular head of this house. Ugh, don't be silly, darling. I thought it very amusing to begin with. Very, uh, modern and enlightened. My tuxedo, for instance. The same tuxedo that for some strange reason you want me to wear tonight. Well, what's so wrong about getting dressed up once in a while? Nothing at all, unless it's obviously an attempt at pretense. And just what is so pretentious about tonight? Tonight we'll sit down for one of Sadie's duck dinners. Present will be Porter and Laura May, with whom we've had many such dinners where you wore slacks and I didn't bother to shave. But this time also present will be two advertising moguls who happen to employ you. Their presence means a new uniform for Sadie, my children prisoners in their room, and all the pomp and hysteria usually reserved for coronations. I call that pretense. All right, so I'm out to impress the boss. What do I get for that, 30 years? Tonight's important to me. I've planned and worked, shopped, taken the twins off Sadie's hands, written my program, and I'll be up all night tonight, and it's worth it to me. And as far as dressing's concerned, you can come in a cowboy suit for all I care. Oh, come on, Reet. Let's cut it out. Look, you finish up down here and see if you can't relax for a few minutes. Are you all ready except for your dress? And combing out my hair. Good. I'll put the twins to bed and call up the liquor store to send over the scotch, all right? George? Hmm? Please, no jokes about radio. I'm afraid they don't have much of a sense of humor about it. Oh, neither have I. The time for joking about it has passed. Radio has become a very serious problem now, like juvenile delinquency. That's what I mean. Cracks like that. Oh, that wasn't a crack. I meant it. Mr. Phipps, this just came for you. Looks like a present, don't it? There's a card and everything. For me? For George on his birthday. If music be the food of love, play on. Addie. Well, I'll be. The Brahms. The concerto in B-flat. Oh, and it's a recording made in Vienna before the war. But how'd she find it? George. Hmm? It's your birthday today. I know. I just plumb forgot. Well, don't worry about it. I'm not much for birthdays. Yes, you are. You're very much for birthdays. Well, this time you had a lot on your mind. Even so. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday, George. Hmm, what a memory that girl's got. Almost a year since we talked about it. I'm going to play it for the twins right now. Sadie? What? You didn't by any chance make a layer cake for dessert tonight instead, did you? You know we got Cherry's Jubilee. You read it to me out of a book. That's what I thought.
Sometimes I don't think we appreciate the miracle of the phonograph. The privilege of having men of genius perform for us at our command. What kind of set is that? Hmm? Oh, it's no particular make, Mrs. Manley. One of my students put that together for me. If I were you, I'd stick to the established trademarks of Puritone or Sonabelle. Yeah, Puritone, Sonabelle. I thought that sounded all right. Oh, goodness, it's half past eight. I can't miss Brenda. Well, where is she? Radio, Confessions of Brenda Brown, one of ours. Wait a minute. Time now for the romance of... You won't want to miss the next dramatic chapter in the romance of Helen Trent. Enough? Might as well turn it off. There's nothing but music from now on. My, that was fun. Two whole hours just flew by. Linda ran over almost a minute, the third time in a month. Three minutes gone. One full commercial, gone for good. Well, some more coffee, anybody? George? Hmm? Uh, uh, some more coffee, anybody? I just asked everybody, dear. Well, time to go home. Already? Seems as if you just got here. Been such a lovely evening, my dear. Pleasant company. The duck was fine. The time just flew by. Tempo fugit. Right, Professor? Almost. And our little hostess has her work to do. Oh, it's not so much. I hope you listened conscientiously, my dear, particularly to Linda Gray. You can learn a great deal about writing. Yes, they are well written, aren't they? Well, they're perfection. Didn't you think so, Mr. Phipps? Oh, uh, I beg your pardon? I wasn't listening. Well, we'll see how much of an expert you are. Which of the programs did you think was the best? They all sounded pretty much alike to me. Oh, I thought you were a student of good writing. Oh, he is. He's given courses in the university. Then which was the best? I wish you wouldn't ask me that. Why not? Because it's a question I don't want to answer. Oh, go ahead, dear. I'm sure your opinion is a very valuable one. Well, if you're sure you want me to... Uh, well, not if you feel you shouldn't. Stating it as kindly as I can, Mrs. Manley, none of that bilge has the remotest connection to good writing. Do you realize that Linda Gray has been written for eight years, no summer layoff by a Myrtle Tippett? Who? <laughs> you can't be much of an authority, Mr. Phipps, if you don't know Myrtle Tippett. Linda Gray has made her an immortal, and she's only 32. Well, Keats, Shelley, and Marlowe beat her by a couple of years anyway. They were immortal before they were 30. Classroom stuff. Radio writing is the literature of today. The literature of the masses. Then heaven help the masses. Well, it just serves a different purpose, that's all. The purpose of radio writing, as far as I can see, is to prove to the masses that a deodorant can bring happiness, a mouthwash guarantees success, and a laxative attract romance. Well, take it easy, George. Don't think, says the radio, and we'll pay you for it. 
Can't spell cat? Too bad. But a yacht and a million dollars to the gentleman for being in our audience tonight. Worry, says the radio. Will your best friend not tell you? Will you lose your teeth? Will your cigarettes give you cancer? Will your body function after you're 35? If you don't use our product, you lose your husband, your job, and die. Use our product, and we'll make you rich. We'll make you famous. That's just about enough, George. Don't let it upset you, my dear. Don't you feel badly? Bad, not badly. You feel badly if you're wearing mittens. I have more confidence than ever in your understanding of domestic problems. Look, I've got my coat on and I catch cold easy. Easily, not easy. We're leaving now. Good night again, my dear. Good night. Of course you understand that under the circumstances, (laughs) your little project is quite, quite impossible. Of course. Good night, Mr. Phipps. Good night. Good night, Rita. So long, George. Good night. Good night, kids. Good night, Laura May. What little project of yours turned out to be quite, quite impossible? I'll take care of tidying up. You better start your revisions. It's all right. Oh, George, it would have been so simple to say something non-committal. Not for three hours, it isn't. I held back all night. Anyway, she doesn't blame you for it. Didn't she tell you not to feel badly? I wasn't thinking of myself. What can she do to me? Report me as being un-American? Radio's like a religion to those people. When you attack it, you attack their faith. Once they've seen you against it, they're off of you for life. There's no making it up. Why should I want to make it up? Why should I? Oh, nothing. You know, this is getting to be like a good mystery story, where you think you got the murderer picked out and it turns out to be somebody else. For just a minute, I had your little project tied up with Porter and advertising for his stores. But now the clues seem to point to me. In some weird, unimaginable way, I was to prove irresistible to Mrs. Manley tonight. I was to impress her and win her favor. Isn't that so? But why? To what purpose? Well, if you must know, there's an editor leaving, and I thought you'd be perfect for the job. $175 a week to start. Come here. Sit down for a minute. Look, Reet, let's put aside my nausea at the idea of working for the Manleys. Let's put aside my personal likes and dislikes. They're not important. I'm willing to admit that to a majority of my fellow citizens, I'm a slightly comic figure, an educated man. Nobody's asking you not to be. Think of the good you could do. Maybe raise the standard. Of commercial radio? What's the phrase? Wait for the laugh. I'm a school teacher. That's even worse than being an intellectual. School teachers are not only comic, they're often cold and hungry in this richest land on earth. And thousands are quitting every day to take jobs that pay them a decent living. That is unhappily true. Then why not you? Because I can't think of myself doing anything else. What would happen, do you think, if we all quit? Who will teach the kids? Who to open their minds and hearts to the real glories of the human spirit, past and present? Who to help them along to the future? Radio sponsors? Comic strips? At that, I've been luckier than most. Even without what you earn, I've managed to keep our heads above water. 
It's quite a strain over a period of time with the water lapping at your chin. That's where you've been a great help. You've made it a lot easier for both of us. I'll admit, it has upset my male ego from time to time. And your overdeveloped sense of taste and discrimination, which is apparently equaled only by that of Addie Ross. Let's try to keep Addie out of this one. I am fed up with taste and discrimination. You're not making sense. I'm fed up with your nobility and wisdom and superiority and your contempt for me in everything I try to do. You're talking nonsense. Everything I say is nonsense. It's all this work. You're overtired. You do too much. What do you suggest I stop doing? This moronic radio trash with which I pay most of your bills? Now calm down. And what do I go back to? Washing, scrubbing, ironing, and a life of taste and discrimination? I'm fed up with Addie Ross. What's it all about, really? If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. From Twelfth Night by Mr. Shakespeare, which Addie and I played in high school. I thought it was a very clever note. And there was more to it than a childhood memory. Yes, there was, but we won't go into that. We're going to get a few things straightened out once and for all. Sit down. Yes, Professor. Sit down! Seven years ago, I made the most perfect marriage ever devised by man, heaven, or radio. My wife was an independent, understanding woman. We thought the same thing about everything, from baseball to Brahms. In those seven years, I was never contemptuous of you. I was proud. But when that drooling path began to change you, when your independence turned to fear, when I watched you snivel and grovel around those two walking commercials, I didn't like it and I don't like it. I don't want to be married to Linda Gray, Brenda Brown, or even Myrtle Tippett. I want my own wife back. This is what I do. This is who I am now. What I have to be to keep the twins in diapers and you in Brahms. Where are you going? This is who I am now. In need of some air. Is it joy? 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 Why didn't George go fishing? Why the blue suit? Rita, we're getting ready to head back now. Rita? Oh, or May. My, all that running, hiking, and baseball. Your feet must be ready to drop off. I've covered more ground in Porter's store just from the notions counter back and forth to the water cooler. How's it feel, Laura May? Porter spreading out on a national scale? Gonna be a big merchant prince? How's it supposed to feel? No more small towns for Porter. He'll be after the big cities. He'll be after, what is it he always calls it, class? Look, why don't I save you a lot of trouble and tell you what you want to know, and you can tell Debbie and that will keep you busy until I get changed and ready for the trip back. I don't know whether Porter ran off with Addie, but get this, I don't care. I've got everything I want. For instance? Sometime we'll spend a week at the old Finney mansion down by the tracks and I'll go into detail. Right now I'd better get dressed. You know what? I think you're worried. I think you're just as worried as the rest of us. I've got everything I want. Maybe you haven't got everything you wanted after all. Bull. See you later. Maybe you haven't got everything you wanted after all. 
You're worried too, aren't you, darling? You're thinking too, aren't you, dear? Porter. Is it Porter? 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 Is it Who cares? I've got everything I want. No living across from the tracks anymore. Practically right on the tracks. place shaking like it had the palsy every time a train went by. The dishes rattling, the door of the icebox popping open, and Ma always sitting in the kitchen. The kitchen, because we didn't have any parlor to sit in. And the first night I ever had a date with Porter, my kid sister babe yelling her head off. Ma, just because she's going out with Mr. Porter Hollingsway, does she have to keep the bathroom an hour? Laura May, leave your sister into the bathroom. After all, I got a date too. A respectable date. That's your sister you're talking about. I don't care. I think it's disgusting. He's 35 if he's a day. I wish I was that disgusting again. How do you think I feel having my friends talking about my sister? Your sister is a decent girl and there's nothing wrong going on with a boss and talking over a new job. Laura May! Yes, Mother? You don't own that bathroom. There's other people in the house. But you're such a quiet little thing, dear. One never knows you're about. I still think it's disgusting. How do I look, Ma? If I was you, I'd show more of what I got. Maybe wear something with beads. What I got don't need beads. What's your new job going to be? Something secret, like a spy? Something he couldn't talk about in the office? All right, I'm going to disgrace the fair name of Finney. Wait till it snows and throw me out. You just remember, you're a decent girl. You're... There he is. That's him. You got everything? I've got everything. Hey, he's out in front. A car a block long. Laura May, he's waiting. Go on. Relax. He blew his horn again. It ain't Gabriel. Relax. Oh, my nerves can't take this. What are you waiting for? That's what I was waiting for. This ain't a drive-in. Anybody wants me can come in and get me. Go ahead. Try your cordial. What a pretty shade of green. What's it called? Creme de menthe. Tastes like peppermint. It isn't too strong, is it? Wouldn't hurt a baby. Well, I'll just have to trust you. Mmm, good. My, when I think of all the wonderful things you know about that I've never even heard of... I got a few years head start. Now, don't go making yourself out an old man, Mr. Hollingsway. Let's make it poor. Why, a man isn't really grown up till, say, 35 at least. Yeah. How'd you like the dinner? Simply delicious. 
This is such a lovely place. I've heard of it, though, of course. I've never been here. It's got class. Yeah, that's why I like it. I like class. I come here all the time. With the other young ladies, you want to talk about new duties at the store? Let's not talk business. But I thought that's what this dinner was for, Mr. Hollingsway. We'll get around to it. What do you do with yourself after working hours? Say, nights? I have my family and my friends, of course. Boy friends? Isn't that getting a little personal? Well, a girl like you, I'll bet there's plenty. Who's out in front? I don't happen to be a girl who talks about her private life, Mr. Hollingsway. What I do with my own private life is my own personal business and nobody else's. That's, well, uh, getting stuffy in here, don't you think? Yeah, it's swell out tonight. Let's take a ride. View is swell up here, up on the hill. I see the lights for miles. It's lovely. Are we going to talk about business now? <laughs> You're smart. Thanks. Plenty smart. Pretty too. Pretty enough for... Mr. Hollingsway, I was just thinking, Miss Lipke is leaving next week. Yeah? And if Miss Goldberg moves up, you'll need a new assistant supervisor. Like flies around honey. Hmm? You and your boyfriends. I thought we'd settled that. I want to talk about it some more. What makes you so interested in my boyfriends? What do you think? I've got very definite ideas. Like what? Well, there's never been anybody in particular. Nobody special. You've been waiting for that one guy to come along? I've got very definite ideas. And what's he got to be like, this one guy? Somebody that wants to marry me more than anything in the world. You sure got wrong ideas about things. They may be wrong, but they're definite. Well, tomorrow's another working day. Shall we go? Yeah. Class. That's what he wanted, class. The only trouble was, he wanted me, too. I kept telling him no, and he kept coming back. I guess we broke up a dozen times at least, but I had him running around in circles. And then, that night, the night we went to his place. Well, this is it. How do you like it? It's the most beautiful house I've ever seen. There's just about everything anybody'd want. You name it. I've got it. Started snowing again. Yes. 
like it's going to be a white Christmas. Yes. You were married once, weren't you? How's that, Crimson Myth? Perfect. Is that her picture on the piano, in the silver frame? My wife? <laughs> Wouldn't even have her fingerprints in this house. Then that must be Addie Ross. How'd you know? Oh, I read the society page. Addie Ross was squired as usual by Porter Hollingsway. She's beautiful, all right. She sort of looks like a queen, doesn't she? Like a queen ought to look. I imagine you must be very good friends. Yeah, I helped her with some investments. She gave me that last Christmas. Almost a year ago. Yeah. Just never bothered to put it away, I guess. Lorme. No. No, Porter, please. Why not? One kiss. I'm afraid. Of what? I'm only human, you know. I'm not so sure you are. No? No. Thanks. You're smart. So you told me. I'm smart, too. And I've been around. I'll bet. It's an old act. <laughs> You're good at it. But you don't fool me. But come on, give a little, promise a lot. Just so far and no further. Yeah, there's all kinds of names for that act of yours. You're smart, all right. Smarter than anybody. I know all the answers. Then answer this one. Why pick on me? Miss Finney, I've been watching your work, and I think you're ready for advancement. Let's have dinner and talk it over. There's a brand new act for you. It's got a beard a mile long. I didn't ask you out. You asked me. And why me? The girls you want, the woods are full of them. Not like you. You can say it again. Not like me. And they don't want what I want. All right. What? What do you want? Not a four-dollar-a-week raise. I don't want a new car, a fur coat, or a trip to Hawaii on a solid gold yacht. You don't carry what I want in any of your seven big stores, Mr. Hollingsway. Name it. I want to be in a silver frame on a piano. My own piano in my own home. You mean you want to get married? Does that make me a freak? Maybe I don't know all the answers, but I know some of them. It's late. I, I better be getting home. Should I call you a cab? It's a nice idea, but I can't afford it. From tomorrow on, I count the pennies. What's tomorrow? The day I start looking for a new job. Now, what do you want to do that for? That's a silly question coming from a man that knows all the answers. Don't let it worry you, Porter. <laughs> Maybe it's just a new twist in the same old act. I'll take you to the door. You stay where you are. This time it's goodbye, and, and no kidding. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm a fool. But maybe you're the biggest fool in the world. Goodbye. Laura. Look, Laura, man, you don't want.
want to stay home on New Year's Eve. You sure you don't want to come play bingo with me? I know you gave Babe your best dress to wear, but the green one is plenty nice, too. No, thanks. Well, I'll be home before midnight. You don't have to on my account. I'm going to bed early. Well, it's getting late. I better get dressed. Hey, Laura May. Babe, ready yet? Unless she beat her brains out with a powder puff. (laughs) Hey, it's New Year's Eve. How come you ain't dressed up? I am. I'm going to a fancy dress ball. Yeah? As what? A queen. A queen? In a silver frame. I don't get it. Uh, What do you mean by... I'll go see what's keeping Babe. Uh, Come on in. I I just... uh... Where's Miss Finney? She'll, uh... She'll be out in a minute, Mr. Hollingsway. We met somewheres. Well, not exactly, Mr. Hollingsway. I, uh, work in your shipping room. <laughs> you waiting for Miss Finney? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we're just friends, kind of, Miss Miss Finney and me. Baboon face! Happy New Year! <gasps> Mr. Hollingsway! Huh? Meet my sister, Babe. My real name is Georgiana. What, what do you say, babe? Uh, sure, Nick. Come on. Happy New Year, Mr. Hollingsway. Uh, happy New Year. Something you wanted, Mr. Hollingsway? Thought Baboon Face was waiting for you. He used to. I gave him to Babe. He goes with the dress. Have you got another dress? Why? I'm taking you to a party. Addie Ross's party? How'd you know? I still read the society page. You sure Addie Ross invited me? I told her we had a date and not to expect me if you made other plans. We haven't got a date and I haven't got any plans, so why don't you run along? We'll go someplace else. No. Why not? You know why not. Laura May, I can't take it anymore. I thought we decided to leave it alone. It's worse not seeing you, knowing you're here. Maybe I ought to leave town. Wondering about you, who you're with, who you're looking at, who you're kissing. Easy now. I can't sleep nights thinking about you. So what? What do I do about it? Start the same thing all over again and wind up the same way? What about the way I feel, my sleep? But then, I'm not even human, am I? I'm just a great big act? You know what you're doing to me. And you know all the answers. What's the use, Porter? You're a big, tough operator, and you know what you want. And you'll keep trying if I let you. You're a smart little cookie. I'll get what you want. I'll let you. Tell Addie Ross it's the cook's night out and I had to stay home with the icebox. Okay. Okay, you win. I'll marry you. about it? Thanks for nothing. Now what kind of an answer is that? I don't know, I just felt like it. 
we'll do all right, Laura May. We're starting where it takes most marriages years to get. And even trade, out in the open, no jokers. You'll see, kid, you made a good deal. Now, how about it? Laura May, if you want me, I'll be at Callahan's play, uh, playing. Ma, we're gonna be married. <laughs> Bingo! Is it Porter? 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 Is it Laura May, Debbie, Rita, you're all very sure of your husbands, aren't you? Aren't you? Oh, but look, the boat is getting ready to dock. Mm-hmm. That means you can race each other getting off and break your necks getting home. And then, of course, you'll want to telephone. Hello, Debbie? Rita. Yes, George is here. I've been so silly. You know why he didn't go fishing today? Because they've asked him to be the high school drama coach. That's what he wanted to tell me last night, his big news. He put on his blue suit to make a good impression for the first rehearsal. Yes, I'll tell you all about it later at the dance. We'll pick you and Brad up at... He isn't? Well, maybe he'll be coming up on the late train. Don't be silly, darling. That's ridiculous. Sure, you go to the dance with George and me. Yes, we're meeting Laura May and Porter there. Okay. Getting late, Laura May. How come Porter's so late tonight? Want a drink, Ma? Some of that green peppermint stuff. Creme de menthe? Ugh, can't stand it. Never could. I love it. Half past seven. He's never been this late. He may not be coming home at all. You mean he's gone for good? With another woman? (laughs) I don't believe it. Why not? Because he's in love with you. What? He's just plain crazy in love with you. Are you out of your mind? Are you trying to... Uh, Lormig, uh, Lormig. <laughs> Hello, Porter. I thought I heard soft voices in here. Excuse me. I gotta get the 7.30 race results. What was the fight about this time? Furs, jewelry, or cash? We were just talking about Addie Ross... She left town today and took somebody's husband with her. Yeah? You seem real excited about it. Like I told you we were having lamb for dinner. What do you want me to do? Sue somebody? I'm tired. I figured you might be the lucky boy who hit the jackpot. I must have broke your heart when I walked in here. Funny you should mention my heart. You never showed any interest in it before. I need a drink. So... Figured I ran away with Addie Ross. How'd it feel? No, you don't have to tell me. I can tell you. You ought to go on a game show. You know everything. So what? I got mine. 
That's what you thought to yourself. You ought to get a concession at some carnival. You're a regular mind reader. Three years of playing the good wife. Here's where I cash in. Here comes the payoff. That's what you thought. I've been a good wife. The best wife your money could buy. Strictly cash and care. Isn't that what you wanted? Isn't that what you told me? Even trade, out in the open. You made a good deal, kid. Did you ever stop to think, Porter? In over three years, there's one word we've never said to each other. Even in fun. To you, I'm just a cash register. You can't love a cash register. And I'm part of your inventory. You can't love that either. I asked you to marry me because I was crazy about you. You didn't ever ask me. I've been a good husband. You've had what you wanted. If you'd only asked me. If you'd only made me feel like a woman instead of a piece of merchandise. Did you give me a chance to? All you ever showed me was your price tag. Oh, what's the use? You better get dressed. We're meeting the others at the country club. I'll be right when you are. So, Brad didn't get home in time to bring you to the dance, huh, Debbie? No. Thanks for sitting this one out with me, Porter. It's okay, kid. Didn't have much choice. My wife out there dancing with a bookie. <laughs> you know he's a bookie? All the saloons and barbershops in town. He came over and asked politely enough. Yeah, she'd dance with anybody. Not that I'd care. I wouldn't care if a chimpanzee asked him. Then you've got no right to complain. No, I've got no complaints. Me, I'm Happy Joe from Kokomo. Greatest little wife in the world. Fine home, fine friends, fine... Oh, why don't you stop acting like a spoiled baby? Huh? You're always talking about being such a man. You don't even act grown up. What are you getting sore about? You! You're so stupid. Have you any idea how much Laura May's in love with you? What? So much that she's afraid to tell you. Afraid you'd laugh at her. Me? Laugh? Ah, she couldn't say that with a straight face. She wouldn't try. Well, there we are. Another bit of terpsichore successfully negotiated. <laughs> he means the dance is over. Say, Debbie, you're letting all that nice cold champagne fizz itself to death. I'm sorry, George. I... Oh, here's Laura Maybach. Thank you very much, Mrs. Hollingsway. Let's do it again sometime. And thank you, Mr. Hollingsway. Yeah. He seems pleasant enough. Who is he, Laura May? A business associate of my mother's. He's a bookie. Yeah, her mother bets with him. We got it right away, seeing as her mother's not a horse. Will you all excuse me, please? I... I think I'd like to leave. I'll drive you home, Debbie. I... No, I'd rather go by myself. What's going on here? Oh, what's the... Shut up! Debbie, why not stay over with us tonight? Thanks just the same, Rita, but... Well, somebody tell me what this is all about. Porter, you mean to say you didn't know? Know what? About me? And Brad? And... and... Debbie, come on. I'll take you home. No, I want to say it, George. I want to say it out loud so Porter will know. 
My husband's run away with Addie Ross. Debbie. He said he had to go to the city for business, but he's run away with Addie Ross. Deborah, darling. No, please. Don't anyone get up. Good night. Wait a minute, Debbie. Sit down. Please, Porter. Sit down for a minute. Let her go, Porter. You keep out of it, George. Everybody keep out of it. Debbie. Brad didn't run away with Addie Ross. I did. But, but how? What? You're here! Man can change his mind, can he? Uh, I, I... Thank you, Porter. Thank you so much. Excuse me. Now where's she going? To the ladies' room. Porter, Porter, you're quite a guy. Brad would have been back in the morning anyway. Yeah, but she'd have had a tough night. She's just a kid. Dance with me, George. Wait, you mind? Just another minute. Okay, Laura May, you've got it. They all heard me say I ran away with another woman. You've got everything you need. You could take me for everything you'll ever want. Well? Like always, Porter, when you start knocking on that brandy bottle, you'll come up with anything. I guess I stopped listening, because if you said something, I, I just didn't hear it. Why don't everybody dance? Come on, Reed. <laughs> or me. You big gorilla. You know something, baby? You've got class. Come on, let's dance. The Camel Screen Guild players are directed by Art Jolin. The adaptation was by Harry Croman and Art Jolin. Remember, every Thursday night, the Camel Screen Guild Theater. A Letter to Three Wives was presented through the courtesy of John Klemper, who wrote the original novel and of 30th Century Hound Studios. Be sure to tune in for the next Star Center production from The Camel Screen Guild Players, also known as Odyssey States on the Air.